This episode of the Ty Capital Millionaire Podcast was brought to you by Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation by A.R. Morton. Black America Inc. is a piece of literature that details and illustrates the socioeconomic solutions that black Americans can implement in their communities today. Whether it be being captains of our own industries, creating our own political parties, or just learning how to strengthen our overall health and wealth, Black America Inc. is what black Americans and Americans in general need to get to the next level in 2017 and beyond. For too many years, we have been talking about the problems and not the solutions. For too many years, we have been pointing fingers at each other without talking about the solutions. This is why Black America Inc. is important. If you're ready to build yourself up and rebuild your community, head on over to Amazon.com and order your copy of Black America Inc., a trillion dollar nation. This is the Todd Capital Millionaire Podcast, episode 27. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Todd Millionaire. I'm the founder and the director of the Todd Capital Investment Club that now has 140 members. Todd Acquisitions, and Todd Ventures, which is our crowdfunded venture capital firm. Thank you for all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American investors and business owners so that people can see that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have uh, Miss Roberta Hosky. Uh, this person is somebody that I kind of came in contact with through the internet, like a lot of people that I meet. But, um, I mean, she has connections with Jay Morrison, but I heard her on a conference call, and on that conference call, um, she was just, in my opinion, just dropping so much content, so much flames, and I think that if people can really get this, I mean, especially through my audience and through the people that I've contacted and kind of just networked with, I think that their lives will be made the better. So I wanted to get her on to just kind of get that game to a different sect of listeners. Um, so with that, I'll let her give herself a more proper introduction, but I'd like to welcome Ms. Roberta Hosky to the show. Welcome. Thank you very much, Todd, for having me. And it's Hosky, Roberta Hosky. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. You know, thank you very much for having me on your show. Um, I do love what you stand for, what the show stands for, as it relates to um, as it relates to inspiring and not just inspiring, because people could be inspired for an instant and then and motivated for a minute. But it's a difference when you hear something that changes lives and, and examples of, of people who have done what other people are dreaming of doing. So, you know, I commend you for even putting this together. Thank you. Thank you. So can you give the people a little bit more about your background? Oh, absolutely. I am the president of Outreach Realty Services. Uh, we have housed thousands and thousands. I think the last time I checked, we were close to like 6,000 families. President and CEO of Outreach School of Real Estate, member of MET Construction Management. MET Construction Management manages real estate um, construction projects with FHA 203K loans and that's actually owned by my children and I am also and my children are teenagers and I am the um, majority owner of RH Development Partners with RH Roberta Hosky Development Partners where we are in the process of building an elderly facility using tax credit dollars and affordable housing so that elderly can age within their community but before any of that, I was a single teenage mother on welfare and homeless. So before I had any of those accolades, and actually I just received an honorary doctorate degree, so it's Dr. Roberta Hosky now. And, um, to, and I have to say, you know, not to my 
to, to my glory, but I have to give um, glory to God for making such a phenomenal transition in my life from being homeless, from being on welfare, getting $417 a month, from uh, catching buses to go see apartments I couldn't afford and getting denied for apartments because I only had $417 to owning one of my companies that has housed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And here I was homeless. So when we talk about my life, I have to talk about where I am, but I will never neglect where I've come from. And that's why my AKA is this millionaire mindset, because I understand the power of a mindset that really can shift and catapult someone's life. It's, um, I think success and failure lies in the way you think about things and, and the boundaries that we perceive and the boundaries and the boxes that we place on our own lives. And when we get out of that boundary and out of the box, there's a whole big world out here. <laughs> and I found it and I'm having fun with it. Also, Jay Morrison is my partner on JMA um, with, um, you know, JMA, Jay Morrison Academy. That is my partner. He's my brother. Um, we often joke all the time. and like, you know, he's a male version of me. I'm a female version of him. And our passion of liberating and creating financial freedom for our people um, is definitely mirrored. And I love him to pieces. So, um, yeah, that's definitely, um, you know, I love Jay. Shout out to Jay. <laughs> I definitely, um, I mean, I saw Jay Morrison in L.A., and he's somebody who helped me kind of get my past team rolling as well. So I definitely, he's changing the culture. He might not know how big of an impact he's having at this moment, but he's definitely changing the culture nationwide. So I appreciate it as well. Um, yeah, I do. I, I love what he does, especially, you know, because his story, you know, he's he's an example of an African-American or African and American, as, as he would say, um, male. In, in America and what we suffer as po in poverty and things that we deal with, um, you know, especially what men deal with, with hustling and selling drugs. But I'm the I'm the mirror. I'm the woman that found herself on, you know, pregnant as a teenager and on welfare and you know the whole the whole other portion of poverty as it relates to women, but not just women. I mean, poverty is something that's plagued. Uh, it really has no ethnicity, poverty, but it seems that we're at the bottom of the spectrum as being African American. So you said something in the beginning, which um, I know is a large part of your identity, and it's something that I definitely agree with. And you said that it all starts with the mindset. And so, mm -hmm. where does somebody go to kind of start reshaping their mindset? How do you get to that point? Mm. First of all, so all the listeners, listeners. Um, really want you to to really put aside everything that you've ever thought uh, about yourself, any boundaries you ever thought, but or anything that has been negative or that has that has stunted your growth. Because it starts with Todd, one being able to identify that you need a mindset shift. See the problem is many of us think that we just think normal. <laughs> many of us don't recognize that we're holding ourselves back. So to begin to shape the, the millionaire mindset is to, one, identify that, hmm, maybe I am being self-sabotaging and, hmm, I did have that idea, whatever happened. So if you start really self-evaluating yourself, I know all of us are given dreams. And then my acronym for dream, and you can use it, Todd, and the listeners can use it, just give me my credit. <laughs> dream is D-R-E-A-M. You spell it D-R-E-A-M. But it's a divinely revealed event awaiting manifestation. A dream is a divinely revealed event awaiting manifestation. And I truly believe it. everything that's went in me. Everyone has a divinely revealed event awaiting manifestation. But the problem is, is that we have these dreams and visions and ideas and these big business 
business ideas and you dream about it and it gets stuck in the awaiting and it never manifests. And so if we take um, a mindset shift, it requires a mindset shift to to get you over from awaiting to manifesting. You have to have such an, uh, um, you have to have such um, a power of perseverance and to be able to conquer your own thoughts. See, it's so deep. As, as we talk about the mindset, it's so deep. And, and again, people don't really realize that we self-sabotage. It's so deep that a lot of our thoughts, matter of fact, over 90% of our thoughts are thoughts of other people. For example, your parents. How did they teach you? Um, your, your actions have, are all predicated on what you think about. You know, if you if your parent was the one that, t- that told you, um, especially women, you know, be quiet and, and sit down and, you know, speak when you're spoken to. Chances are you're a little bit shy when you're in a crowd of people if they're not speaking to you. Mm-hmm. See, there's behavior patterns and the way we think that's formed as little children that, one, we have to identify to be able to, to change. You can't change anything you don't say. Um, my mindset happened uh, as a result of a travesty, what people would think was a travesty of my life, in my life. See, one thing, I was always a fighter. Like, I was always a fighter in your face type of girl. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the mindset shift happened um, at my lowest point when I was homeless. Here I am, a teenage girl, and your mother throws you out. And I'm in the middle of writing my book called The Poverty Curse Broken. And it's in this book. Um, and my mother threw me out, and I'm a teenager. I'm a female. I'm a teenager. And I'm street, literally, literally dropped me off on the corner and told me to find my father and have him figure it out. My father's in Georgia. So, ended up in a shelter. So, at this point, you, you have to understand how broken I was, how, how angry I was. I mean, this is my mother, and I'm a female. Like, I have a daughter. There's nothing my daughter could do that I could ever put her out and leave her on the street. There's nothing that my daughter could ever do, not my children could ever do for that to happen. And so I'm not saying I was the best child because I wasn't. I was, I was, I, like I said, I was a fighter. I had a mouth. I still have a mouth, but it's, it's to my favor now. So at this lowest point in my life is where um, my godparents came into my life, the police, Robert and Cynthia Pulley. And they came and got me out of the shelter after some time, but they brought me into their home. Now, mind you, I am a girl from the projects. I have never seen a, or been in a single family house at this time. I've never seen anything like this. So when they brought me with them, I ended up uh, moving in with them. And they had a single family house in the suburban areas of Connecticut. I had never seen a walk-in closet. I had never even seen a bathroom in a bedroom. So I was like floored. I had never seen anything like that. So they opened up my eyes and awareness. And on top of that, they they changed my mindset in such a way in repetition. And this is why, you know, we, when you're trying to change your mindset, it's not something that happens in an instant. It's, ha- it's something that has to be worked on it, and it has to be done in repetition. So what they would tell me countless times, I can't even tell you how many times they told me, they would say, I'm destined for greatness. They would say, Roberta, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if your mother put you out. I don't care if you were homeless. I don't care if you don't have anything. I don't care if you're at your lowest point. You are still destined for greatness. You are destined for greatness regardless of what the circumstances look like. And so you are going to work towards greatness in the midst of your issues, in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your confusion. You are still going to be destined for greatness. You're still going to 
push for greatness. See, at that point was a lesson that my what my life was founded on. Because now I don't even believe in problems. Right now there are opportunities and obstacles. See, I see past problems, and then when we talk about the millionaire mindset. It's the problems that get us stumped, but if we learn how to train our mind to see past problems and see the solutions and see the blessing and the mess, that's when we become victorious. See, real estate was a vehicle that funded my, my whatever, my success. I don't even know what success is. Don't ask me to define it. Um, other than um, being in a situation where I can get up, leave, and go when I want to, not have to worry about where the bills are going to get paid, not worrying about anything. It's called financial freedom. I guess that you can measure it that way. But real estate um, is a powerful thing. But it is not a. It's, it's it's super powerful. But it's the mindset that will catapult you to wherever it is that you want to go in life. So it sounds like um, being mm -hmm. placed in a different environment definitely helped you out. Um, Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The environment is someone that believed in me and someone that cared about me. Mm -hmm. And they just dropped the, the, something very simple that I'm destined for greatness. Like nobody ever told me I was destined for greatness. I was told I was a failure. Yeah. I was told I was never going to be anything. I told be, I was told being pregnant was the worst thing I could have ever done with my life. I was told I was going to mount to nothing. So here's someone saying, here you are, you're destined for greatness despite all of this. So it's powerful to, to believe in someone else. It's powerful to give encouragement to other people because you never know how it's going to change your life. Yeah, there's so many things that I take from that. I mean, you were exposed to a whole different world. Um, and I think that changed your expectations. And that's what that statement that I pulled, destined for greatness, comes out as like, that is your expectation. I know Eric Thomas, mm -hmm. he made a point that's saying like, if you expect greatness, you're going to live up to greatness. But if you expect that you're going to end up dead or in jail, you end up going to be dead or in jail. It's really just changing. And I think that's a huge part of the mindset. It's like, there's so many mm -hmm. things that make up the mindset. When you have a certain level of thinking, then your expectations are different. And so you'll see the world different. You'll see opportunities different. You'll see obstacles different. And it really mm -hmm. helps you kind of cut through all the madness that might stop somebody else from pressing through and i mean we Absolutely. all we all go through problems we all have issues but it's just like what is your expectation are you destined mm -hmm. for greatness or are you destined for it not to work out and for you to fail absolutely in, in case in point with my son uh, you have you have to understand that um i'm giving birth to a brown boy mm -hmm. and stats all around me tell me i'm gonna lose my brown boy to the jail cell i'm gonna lose him six feet under um i was gonna lose him to the streets my first boyfriend got killed gunpoint leaving my house right to his chest so you have to understand my reality was all poverty it was just that street life so here i am giving birth to a brown boy having nothing to offer him see we we get things all twisted and all backwards thinking that life really has something to do with us whenever we stop being selfish and realize that everything we do is for someone else that's when we'll stop living in vain point as it relates to the way your expectation let me tell you something when I gave birth to my little brown boy I was a high school dropout and and, and I said to him you're going to college this is before he could talk as soon as he I was giving birth a day old I'm telling him he's going to college but here I am I didn't even finish high school you hear me so I spoke that into his life and I told him over and over and over that he's destined for greatness he's destined for greatness he's destined for greatness let me tell you something my little brown boy when he went to college and, and I tell his testimony when he when he went to college he went to a private college and graduation 
you know, he was the one percent. He was the only minority, you know, the one percent of minority that went to his school. And the people of his school that went to his college were rich and they had all this money and everything. And um, my baby was graduating across that stage, and I boohooed and cried like. <laughs> You couldn't imagine because, see, the people around me, this was their norm. But me, I had to fight. I had to fight. But I asked my son, I said, honey, was there ever a time that you thought you wasn't going to college? And he looked at me and he said, you know what, Ma? No. What was that? You know, then we have kids that's in school right now and they're like, I don't know if I'm going to college. Maybe I am. I don't know. My son never even thought he wasn't going to college. And I was a mother, welfare, teenage, high school dropout, had nothing to give to him. I didn't know how it was going to happen. I just knew it had to happen. Mm. And he never even thought it would never happen. Wow. So guess what? It happened. And he is an educator right now at Avon Farms, which is a private school. He is the only African-American educator um, educating um, white students, of which they pay $53,000 a year to be educated by my brown boy. And he's the youngest. He's only 22, just out of high, just out of college. I feel like there's so much that I take out of that story because um, when, I, when I heard about your background, I heard about how you were... A single mom, you got into real estate, you elevated yourself through real estate and you changed your mindset. A lot of that really sounds like my mom and a lot of that story sounds like my life. Like I feel like when I was being raised, it was just an expectation that I was going to do these things. And so I just did them, even though all the people around me who looked like me didn't really think that way. And I couldn't understand why they didn't think that way. But a lot of it really boils down to what you're being taught in the home, what you're being fed, what you're being immersed in. And um, I think that it's like if other people can really learn that it really is not your circumstances, it's your mindset about your circumstances. So many people can go so much further in the same exact circumstances that were dealt, in the same cards were dealt, in the same hand we have right now. And, and my my best friend right now, I can't even rent her apartment because she, I literally have her background on my desk as we speak. Thirteen criminal histories and um, three evictions, and this was someone that to this day thought was my sister my life could have easily went that way easily yeah. and it's about a mindset and parents are so influential on children and, and um but at a certain point you know we can't teach what we don't know ourselves and this is why i'm passionate about teaching a mindset why i'm passionate about teaching real estate and, and because we can't teach or we can't give the next generation our knowledge our wealth and or anything if we don't have it to give so um, I was watching a Jay Morrison video and it was you and him and he was talking about how, I think it was very recent, he was talking about how like he needed the men to say something and he needed the women to say something. And he was saying like, oh yeah, we're segregated right now. But I feel like, I think that you have a really strong passion to help women. And I think that that's important mm -hmm. because I think that there's nothing wrong with helping your own exclusively. And so I kind of want to know like, um, tell us more about the Miss Millionaire Mindset Sisterhood and tell us why your passion is so focused on like women exclusively well it's an, my passion is on everyone mm -hmm. but 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 my ladies my sisters um it's the passion is there for a number of reasons but the the, the sisterhood is the best way to describe it is um faith-based non-collegiate sorority 
That's the best way to describe it. But the mission of the Millionaire Mindset Sisterhood is to break the curse of poverty over our lives and the lives of our loved ones. Um, We also um, exemplify the power of unity, the power of loyalty, and the power of group economics. We're focused on, like, changing generation, legacies, and creating wealth. Being on purpose as well. Like, we we have to make sure we live in purpose and on purpose. It's a travesty to to, um, live this life, and everything is, like, on a... On a, we don't know when we're here. Uh, we're here today. We're gone today. And so it's a travesty to live and then not ever really live and just exist. And that, you, you know, when we're all here for a purpose, we all have a dream and not ever fulfill that, that purpose in your life. But the ladies are dear to me because um, by nature, women are, um, are givers. Mm-hmm. We we take care of people. We're nurturers. We 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 are always taking care of our kids and our and our family. And then when we wake up, we're old, and time has passed us by, and we have never fulfilled what we're here to do. And then we have these dreams that lay on the sidelines, and we're we end up being extras in our own movie mm-hmm. because we never we never we we were so busy taking care of everybody else. So women have a, a soft spot there because we have so much power, so much potential. If we ever were to work in unity, see, we've done a good job of beating each other down and having a queen bee syndrome and keeping information and all of this backstabbing crap, but the minute that we get it together is the minute that we become powerful, more powerful than we can ever recognize. But men get mad at me, especially people that that are in the community, like, when you got something for the men? <laughs> but here's why I chose women. One is because I'm a female. One <laughs> A is that um, I was told that if you train a man, you may be mad at me for this, but you'll still love me. If you train a man something, you change that man. But if you teach a woman something, you've changed a nation. And so what I do know about women, because I'm one, is that if you train a woman, she's going to go back and she's going to train her children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's going to go back and she's going to train her man. Yeah. So I might as well get to the root of it and just, just train the woman because then they'll go back and take it to the household. And and if you know anything about me, I'm about multiplication and duplicating myself and, and working where it's strategically. So as my heart is with women, I'm a woman, but it's strategic about going to the core. Going to the core. That's why. <laughs> Can you expand on multiplication and duplicating yourself and kind of talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, that's that's my business hat. And, and my business hat, is, is to sum it up, is working smart. A lot of us think we need to trade um, hours for uh, dollars for hour, mm-hmm. hours. A lot of us think that we have to work very hard to get the results that we're looking for. And... To be honest, that's not true. You just have to work smart. So when you work smart, you know how to create systems and you know how to duplicate yourself. So especially in the technology era that we're living in now, there is no need for you to hit people one by one. I always say hit the masses. You just need a strategy on how to do it. So I, I urge business owners to look at your, the, the business models because business models are going to dictate how you create income, how your money comes into your company. And it's if you hit the masses, if you duplicate yourself, if you do, if you build teams and send them out, then you can um, multiply. 
Let me tell you, there is a whole many, a lot of millionaire mindsets out there. I promise you that. <laughs> That's huge. Uh, I, it's funny because when you said that, I just got an opportunity to write a business plan for somebody and they're going to pay me what they're going to pay me. But I was thinking like if I would have charged him twice that or however much I'm charging him and I could justify the value, I could have actually hired somebody to write that plan for me just taking the money off the top yeah absolutely that's what see that's a millionaire mindset that's what i teach that's exactly what i teach that's That's a millionaire mindset that is how you do it that's how that's how you break poverty that's how you make money in sleep wow right there you can sleep and have somebody else do the work and you cash in and that's the difference between a poverty mindset because we 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 have a slave mentality thinking we have to trade hours for dollars And we believe the false thing of, 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 of job security, man. That's that's something that was said to us, and we ate the lie of job security. There's no such thing as job security. No such thing as job security. If they can give you a pink piece of paper and lay you off, you try to tell me what's securing that. Yeah. Nobody's going to have that power over me or my children. So, so it's a whole nother mindset. One thing that is really cool, you said this in the, in the introduction, you said that you have a business that your kids own. Absolutely. But I'm presuming... Generational. Exactly. And I'm presuming that um, your kids don't run the business. I think it's... There's a lot of benefits to what you did there. I think you're able to kind of reduce your taxes. You're able to make sure your your children are being... Like, they're accumulating wealth just for the sake of accumulating wealth. Um, can you talk about, like, the strategy behind that? Talk about how you strategically created wealth for your children. And, I mean, just all the kind of circle... Like, and, encapsulate that entire idea and concept. Mm-hmm. And can I ask you why you think they're not running a business? You know, I don't know. I just assume that since they're teenagers that they weren't, but maybe that was... Uh... Yeah, yeah, there you go. It's a millionaire mindset. Let me tell you something. My daughter has been my business partner since she has been in a car seat. Wow. I have never talked to her like a baby. Wow, that's cool. So that, I'm telling you, be intentional. She has been my business partner since she's been in the car seat. That little girl, we're getting off a highway, mm-hmm. and she's going from, you know how you have a car seat, you can feel the kid, you can hear the car seat rocking. Mm-hmm. So she's getting off the, high, off the highway, she's going from right to left, right to left, and I'm asking her what's going on. I was like, Mama, what's the matter? And she goes, you need to have a sign when you get off of the highway that says Outreach Property Management. That was my first business at the time. With an arrow so people know where to go. Car seat. And she's thinking strategy. Yeah. It's so funny. Get I, have it? A, I have a niece. And um, I, I, I never really like, I think this is huge. I never really seen her as like a business partner. But we're always talking about different ventures. And she was saying like, hey, like. Because I was telling her we should set up like a lemonade stand for it. She's like, why don't we set up like a toy stand? And she could sell her own mm-hmm. toys on the on the side of the road. Instead of selling lemonade, everybody sells lemonade. But you could sell toys on the side of the road. It's just like her own storefront. And she enjoys Absolutely. toys. I know kids enjoy toys. But like kids are filled with just like great ideas. And I think that's so cool because, I mean, you're coaching them from that, from that age to the point where they, when they are 16, like they're mm-hmm. dominating. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me tell you, my kids are dominating. Yeah. The last two, the, my first one is, is, like you said, he's an educator, but the teenagers, those two, oh, they had another, they got a whole nother training and they dominate. Wow. My, my daughter worked, she had one job, she worked at a sub place and she was upset because of the way the manager wasn't, in her eyes, managing properly and being fair and equitable with time and so on and so forth, where this girl took note of everything that was going on, documented it, and then called a meeting with her manager. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to tell her, honey, listen, and of course I didn't end well. I said, honey, there's such a thing as hierarchy. Yeah. But I 
said to her, I said, um, Ali, what did you learn? And she says, well, shoot, I know I can't work for nobody. <laughs> like, so she, like she has such a, a crazy mindset as, yeah. a, as, a, as a teenager. But let me, I sit down and we strategize. Like right now, they're building a plan um, so that we can, um, it's the kids' idea, it's my children's idea, they want to bring a roller skating rink here. Mm-hmm. So they're literally doing the research and um, to figure out what we need to do to do the mo- to bring the roller skating rink. The problem is we tell children to get in children's places mm-hmm. and then we stunt their growth. Yep. I have always talked to my kids like business partners. Wow. And that's what's that's the that's the game changer. That's huge. Mm. That's huge. Mindset. Mindset. You gotta cultivate that thing. That's the game changer. I think that one thing that I took from that is the fact that it's really tough to kind of go that that route just because there's so many other people around who won't get it. And so like if you have a child who's running a business and everybody else is getting jobs, it's like you're out there and you're floating. Although it's in the land of abundance, you're still kind of like this outlier. And so it's like the struggle of being an outlier and having the millionaire mindset. So it's like, how do you reconcile the two? How do you know that there's people who don't think like you, but that's okay? Yeah, and that's what I had to train my children for. My daughter came home and she says, do you believe that such and such was saying this? Or they were having a conversation about it being better to rent than own. And my daughter thought it was absurd for for what they were trying to say about it's better to rent than own just because people didn't want to take responsibility and so on and so forth. But um, but you just have to train them that everyone is not going to necessarily think the way you think. But you have to, to um, one, not be disrespectful and you know it all and all that because as you're raising kids, you don't want them to, to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But the balance is the basics um, of, like, being humble. Because <laughs> sometimes you have to agree to disagree and just, just let things go. Um, but also being confident in who you are, where you're going, and knowing that nobody's going to drive where you're going, nobody's going to dictate that except for you and the actions that you that you do. So it's not being dependent on other people to place you to, you're not going to be dependent on other people to put you in position. Um, and when you have that type of mindset, it's like, um, okay, you know, I'm going to do my thing, you can do your thing, but I'm okay with it. You just have to be okay with it. Um, but yeah, it is. A, it definitely is a balance. And we, even my kids there, that was that was a bit of a um, of a struggle. Mm-hmm. It was a struggle, but they they got it. They just have to be okay with it. Yeah. And if you start them young, like you're doing, by the time they get to the point where they're like in their late teens, it's just second nature, probably. It is second nature right now. It's second nature now. To me, it's more of like having to tone it down because who has a who has a meeting with the bosses and you're yeah. a teenager and pulls out documents like who does that? That's, that's <laughs> so now it's like okay, well, uh, <laughs> gotta tone it a little bit. But um, but it's a powerful thing. Mindset is powerful. Modern mindset is very very powerful. So I have um, a question about. The deal that I know of, it might not have been your first deal, but I know that you bought a, a triplex or a, a multifamily property. Um, mm-hmm. So I want you to talk about that deal, but also I also want to talk about um, the polarity between buying a single family residence versus buying a multifamily residence as your first property. So mm-hmm. um, if we can talk about your first deal, the numbers, how all that kind of came into fruition. And then talk about mm-hmm. maybe how it would have looked different if you just bought a, a four-bedroom home or a three-bedroom home. Absolutely. So, 
my first real estate transaction was I was in the mindset of um, how do I provide for my son I didn't get into real estate saying I'm gonna be a real estate guru that I am today it was more of like a still a state of survival and what it was sheer numbers it was that I recognized that it was cheaper for me to own than it was to rent and this is again the reason why I'm passionate about teaching real estate because most people think it's cheaper to rent than it is to own so for me it was it, I was working at Yale University and I was working in the mailroom. I was only making $9.14 an hour. So don't tell me you don't have enough money to purchase real estate. You just don't have the strategy. Um, the multifamily, I purchased it at a time where they were saying don't buy anything. Just like they were saying now is not the time to buy. Um, but it's the best time to buy for investors. So I purchased the house and my mortgage was $1,100. The third floor tenant, I rented it out to Section 8, and they paid $1,100. So I was on the second floor, no rent, no mortgage. It was paid by Section 8. Mm -hmm. And so that, to me, made sense, and that's true affordable housing. Because I'm not worried about making a dollar over a certain income bracket, and they come to take my Section 8. You know, it's it was true um, affordable housing when you buy multifamily because you have tenants that's paying your rent, paying your mortgage, and creating the cash flow. I lived on the second floor and I had two other units, 900 and 600, so I was cash flowing $1,500 after the mortgage was paid and I didn't do anything except buy a multifamily house using um, down payment assistance program and just this year numbers. It just made sense. I could not afford to rent the apartment that I was living in, the house that I owned. Wow. If you would have used that same down payment assistance, that same debt to income ratio income to go buy a single family property, for one, you would have been paying mm -hmm. the mortgage and you wouldn't have been cash flowing anything at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's that's the, the difference. So the difference if I did a single family um, mortgage, you know, morgue is the root word. <laughs> so I would have been a slave to the, to the mortgage and house poor. And that's what a lot of people are today. They're house poor. Mm -hmm. Real estate really was supposed to make you financially free. It's an investment. It's an investment. It's an investment. I say it all the time, whether it's a single family, multifamily, a strip mall, a condo, it doesn't matter. Real estate's investment. It's supposed to generate income for you. And we just, especially in the African-American community, we have it all backwards thinking um, we're buying a house for a backyard and a picket fence and mm. say we made it out the hood, but mm. we house poor. Mm. I need my but wife to hear that. <laughs> I, need, I need my wife to hear that. Because that's one thing we're, we're going through right now. She wants the dream house I want, the fourplex. And so we're kind of going back mm -hmm. and forth. But I think the one thing that swayed her is I broke the numbers down for her. And I said, like, hey, we buy this property and you really don't have to work anymore if you don't want to. You have a paid off car, mortgage to be taken care of by the tenants. Like, that's financial freedom. That's retirement. And you also tell your wife that's not your last house. That too. That's a good point. There you go. See? That's a there good you go. Tell her it's not your last house. This is a stepping stone. This is one house that we're going to do. We're going to make sure this house has equity so that we have money that we can pull out, which I did. You pull out of your equity, and then you use that as a down payment on your single family house so that your mortgage is becomes more affordable and then the apartment that you're living in you rent that out and let that pay your new house your single family so you can continually be financially free i need to enroll her with in all strategy yeah <laughs> i really do i think that being around women like you all would definitely 
help her kind of see the light. She oh, gets, yeah. She gets mmsisterhood.com. Yeah. Tell her to come to mmsisterhood.com. Like, my, listen, my ladies from sisterhood always, <laughs> if we think like this all day, every day. Cool. Mmsisterhood. So, Millionaire Mindset Sisterhood. Um, you said down payment assistance. What did What did that look like? I got down payment assistance from um, Yale University, which is from my job, as well as the city of New Haven. And most cities have down payment assistance. You just have to go to the economic development officer office, and they have down payment assistance for first-time home buyers. Um, if you're purchasing in the city, but they need to have that anyway because if you're purchasing in a city, any city wants more owners than renters. Absolutely. Because of the taxes. So they, they want you to purchase this house so that you can be put on the tax roll and pay your taxes. So um, definitely look for down payment assistance programs. I think I came out of my pocket probably all of, you know, less than maybe 1500 less than 3000 It was It was less than first month's rent and security deposit. And that house put me on. It, it yielded me. When I do my commercials and on TV, I always say, it yielded me over a quarter of a million dollars. Like, that's my radio voice. Mm-hmm. But... But it actually yielded me $337,000 this one house. And that's where I was going to go with that. Um, I want to touch on the down payment assistance. I know my mom, when she bought her condo as a single mother, they it was a HUD home she purchased. And they required like 1000 down, but they refunded her like 600 bucks. And she always tells that story. Like she got into the house for like 400 or mortgage with nothing. And then maybe like five years later, she was able to uh, pull equity out of like 80 grand. And so like mm-hmm. she was able to pay off student loans, everything she needed to do just because she became an owner as opposed to being a long-term tenant. So, Absolutely, and that's why I say it's an investment, it's an investment, it's an investment. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you were cash flowing 1500 a month, and then you said you mm-hmm. pulled out $375,000 in equity, and where did you go from there? Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, what ended up happening is the house ended up being worth $300,000 when Got someone it. told me about equity, but I purchased it for eighty eight. And so if you take the money from the 88 to the 300,000 plus the 1500 I was getting every single month and the money that I would have spent in rent it comes up to $337,000. But um what I did is I I figured listen if this house can do this let me try it again. I thought I was lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said let's just have all this cash. Let me just play it. Let me do it again and I purchased a, a single family though. And I rehabbed the single family, and within 60 days, I had another check of like $170,000. And I was like, Lord, have mercy, let me do this again. (laughs) And I did. I purchased a house on Greenwich Avenue from the city of New Haven for $30,000, and I put a good amount of money in it. And after we rehabbed, within 60 days later, I had another six-figure check. Wow. And it kept going and going and going. And so I was like, oh, my goodness. I have the keys on how to create wealth. Um, I have to I have to tell everybody, I have to show people, I have to help people. And then I started thinking, well, what? And this is why I'm saying uh, as it relates to a mindset, you always have to understand that every business that was ever created was created to solve a problem. So we all created to solve problems. And we look at businesses and we get in businesses to create money. And that's why we, the success rate is, is, is low. Right. And our failure rate is very high for the first five years because we're chasing the money and not the purpose. Mm. And so um, my thing is, like, I found out something that was changing my life. And now I want to share it with people. So I say, well, what is it that... 
stopping people from being investors and buying multifamilies. And then I was like, well, they don't want to be a landlord. And so that's when I created my first company, the property management company, um, because it was the Ministry of Help, so helping people to become financially free of like I did, like I was doing. So um, what was what would you say was your best deal, if you haven't already highlighted it? I would say the first one was, I, I mean, I've had deals that created more money than that one. But the best deal, holistically, was my first deal because it the lessons learned. The lessons learned in it. Um, you know, three hundred thirty-seven thousand. I'll take that. And the the lessons about equity, the lessons about affordable housing, is really ownership. The lessons of being able to buy a multifamily get with nine dollars and fourteen cents an hour. You know, that's something that changed my life. So that I would say that one, but I mean, we I have an eight million dollar project I'm working on right now. I'm not finished yet, so maybe if you call me in the you know year and a half, that may be the best one. <laughs> but um, but yeah, right now, I mean, as as far as holistically and, and lessons learned and life changing was that first one. Um, one of the things I mean, you said that you're working at Yale. How did that cash flow change your life? Did it? Did it? Did you just bank the cash flow, or did your lifestyle change? Or my lifestyle didn't change uh, immediately. My my bank account just kept getting bigger because I still had the worker bee mentality. I still thought that you had to work for a living, and then here I am making more, making my annual salary in like sixty days. Like what the heck? <laughs> But at the time when I left my job, I left Yale, um, and I was at Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York. So I had a very good job when I left my company to start my business in my basement. And um, my grandmother, of God bless her, so I love her, and I'm named after her. She begged me on her deathbed not to leave my job and not to leave my job secure, my secure job, because again, I, like I said before, I was on welfare. Here I am with a six-figure job. In New York, I have a staff of over 50 managing like $59 million in grants and contracts. I was on welfare. I was homeless, so you would have thought I'd make it. <laughs> but to, to, to throw that in, I do on blindfolds and jumped off the cliff and left that six-figure job and followed my heart. That's what I'm saying to, to everyone, every listener, to you, to, you, to everybody that listens. Like, you have to be in tune with who you are and your purpose in life, and, and you, you can't be motivated by... Um, you can't be motivated by um, the finances. You really can't. You have to let the money follow you, not you follow the money. And that's what I did. I, I traded. And I I left a six-figure job with a chauffeur and started my company in my basement with one telephone line and two rings. One ring for the facts and one ring for the business line. That's it. And I sat on the floor. And so, where did that business go? Uh, to Outreach Realty, which has placed thousands and thousands and thousands of people into housing right now. And, you know, my I work with my accountant and he's looking at my numbers right now. And he was like, I've never, this, the company is growing leaps and bounds and we're halfway through the year and I've made almost what I made last year. So it seems like if you would have kept that job, even though it was a good paying job, you would have been worse off than if you would have just jumped off the cliff and taken that risk. I would have. Listen, I would have been miserable. And half of the, more than half of the people working jobs are miserable anyway. I call it a modern-day plantation. Well, you got to clock in at a certain time, clock out at a certain time, ask for some time off. They can have that. 
I, I, don't, I don't, I don't like that. It's like it's a modern day plantation. You don't want to beat her anyway. You're, you're giving them all your time, your energy, and 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 then you go home miserable because you're not living and doing what you're supposed to do in life. What's your purpose? What impact will you are you supposed to make? Who's going to be different because you're here? What idea do you need to birth into this world instead of birth, birthing everyone else's? I've been miserable. I knew it was time to go. I made that company $20 million in two years. If I make them $20 million in two years, I'm going to do it for myself. Exactly. That's one thing I'm always telling my mom. She's a CPA, and I tell her, like, whatever you're paid, you're probably worth, like, four or five times more. Like, we can't even multiply. You, you really can't. If you multiply, you can't put a value on it. Like, if she was to figure out how to create a business model, to duplicate herself, to multiply herself, she can make money in her sleep. Yeah. I'm just telling you. It's a, I think I'm it, gonna, is, it is amazing. I'm signing her up for Miss the Miss Millionaire Mindset Sisterhood as well. And my, <laughs> and my sister, my sister too. Everybody's getting signed up. My, probably my niece. So what advice do you have for people that are on the fence, looking to get started, looking to kind of make a change in their life? This is going to sound unconventional, but here, here's what you do. You ask yourself two questions. One question is, what is that thing that grieves me? Um, what is that thing that makes me upset? What is that thing that pulls emotion out of me and I can't understand it? Um, and pay close attention to that thing. Because that, what grieves you is an indicator of a problem you're designed to fix. Remember I told you every business ever created was created to solve a problem. But you don't need to be over someone else's business solving other people's problems when there's something that you are specifically designed to do and to solve. Yeah. Um, and to pay attention to that. And the other thing is, what is that thing that you do for free? What is that thing that you just enjoy doing? That's your passion. And you make that passion a mirror or work with your purpose, with that thing that grieves you, and that's where you create your prosperity. But, and that's how you become crystal clear. And most of the times we're on the fence because we're gray. We're not sure if we should or we shouldn't. We should or we shouldn't. Well, when you know that you are in purpose and you know this is something that you're passionate about, you know that this is something you're designed to do, you'll jump off the cliff. The problem is we just don't, we just don't know. We don't have that, that level of confidence. But you can't, you don't wake up overnight and just, you know, jump off cliff, off any cliff. <laughs> you got to be in tune with who you are, what you are, and why you are. I know that's deep and it's all probably an unconventional answer, but that is the best answer in my, um, in my opinion. I like unconventional. I think that we need a little bit more unconventional. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're very welcome. Two. But in the end, you better just do it. <laughs> just like Nike, just do it. <laughs> in the end, whatever that is, you know, once you clear, do it. So two Procrastination is the killer dreams. Two quick questions. What is your favorite book? Um, it will probably be the power. I have two: the power of focus and the purpose-driven life. Nice. And mm -hmm. what does wealth mean to you? Um, wealth means nothing missing, nothing broken out of my life. Um, wealth means that I can um, do whatever I want to do when I want to do it for myself, for someone else. Wealth also means that I have the capabilities of um, helping others without it impacting my bottom line. So where can people learn more about you, uh, learn about all the things that you're involved with? Mm -hmm. They can go to connectwithroberta.com. Connectwithroberta.com and as it relates to sisterhood, nmsisterhood.com. Very cool. So I thank you for your time. And also social media, of course, right? Yeah. Social media is the, is the connector. I, I think it's great. Um, I appreciate mm -hmm. your time. I appreciate you taking... Uh, 
valuable hour out of your day to speak with the listeners. I know people got a ton of content out of this. I know that you're going to get a ton of MM Sisterhoods. I'm definitely signing up for people. I think what you guys are doing is awesome. I think it's definitely necessary. And thank it's going you. to change a lot of lives. So, um, Thank you. Thank you. With that, if anybody is interested in joining either of our clubs or organizations, email us at info at capitaltod.com. You can find everything at the website, which is capitaltod.com. This has been episode 27. Thanks.